0: Everyone, welcome back to But What Will People Say? I'm your host, Disha Mazeppa, and this is a South Asian interracial relationship and lifestyle podcast. Welcome back for another episode. Hello, everybody. We've made it to the summer, and by we, I mean me. <laughs> Running a weekly show definitely starts to take a toll when you just don't get a lot of breaks. So, I will definitely say to some extent, it feels like I'm dragging my way across the finish line, but I wanted to end, I don't even want to call it seasons because this show doesn't have seasons, but I wanted to wrap things up on a lighter note on just a fun, casual episode with my friend Dara. You guys probably remember her from episode 100 when she came on to talk about, well, she was the guest host, so she was talking about me, but anyway. um, She is a very multifaceted person. She's a boy mom, she works in corporate America. She shares a little bit about meeting her husband, her IVF journey. She's also a content creator, and so we kinda get into it a little bit about social media and the role it plays in our lives and the lives of young people, especially nowadays, and how maybe it can be good for our mental health, sometimes it's bad for our mental health, and all all of that other stuff. Um, it's just been, you know, a stressful few weeks and I feel like I needed just like a fun, happy episode to wrap things up with for the summer. Like I said, the plan is not to completely disappear for the summer, but to have like very short three to 10 minute clips of old episodes rebroadcasted, some of the best moments of, but what will people say? Um, and you guys... (laughs) I want to say I'm going to start doing this next week, but I think I'm going to take next week off and start the week after. But like, you know, let's see where my mood's at, guys. I make a lot of promises on this show that aren't always fulfilled. Sorry, but um, that's the goal. The goal for the summer is to just put out these short clips and then I will be back in the fall with new episodes and new guests and some old guests that we bring back If you are interested in being a guest on this show, this is a good time to fill out the guest application. It is linked in the show notes. Um, I will start going through those. I know I meant to go through those much sooner, but summer is usually when I start batch recording episodes anyway and start reaching out to potential guests. So great time to reach out if you are interested in being on the show. But let's get to today's episode with Dara. She is an Insta friend turned real life friend and she's an all around riot. So if you don't follow her on social, definitely do. She has good vibes all around, always keeping it real, always honest, not here to make you feel any sort of way about yourself and just the kind of people on social you probably should be following. Hi, everybody. We are here with Dara. You probably remember her from a little while ago. She was the first like guest host of this podcast. But I figured we'd turn the tables back around so that I could talk to her and interview her because I prefer being the one asking the questions. And I was like, well, we're not just gonna let her get away with asking me a bunch of questions. So hi Dara. Welcome back. Hey, hey, good to be back. How's it going? It's going, you know. It's weird time to be alive. This this appropriately is going to be a sort of social media focused episode which I am actively avoiding most days because I I just don't really want to be there right now. But we're just we're taking a break. But how are you? You spend a lot of time on the socials. You are also an blogger. I don't know if influencer is the word. We all hate that word, but it is the word. So, tell us how that's going. Tell us about your blog. Um, yeah, I don't like to call it a blog
1: either. Or no, I prefer <laughs> blog versus like influencer. Although I think when I started off like 3 years ago, I guess that was more appropriate, but I was such a rookie. I really didn't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm like an SME yet, but you know, I guess I have more stronger opinions about it now, but um, yeah, it's just one of the things I do in addition to all the other million things and I feel like I have a better, um, I guess, handle on it versus like three years ago in a
0: nutshell. Yeah. So what made you want to start it? start Dar- it was has it always been Dara's world no it was originally in what
1: 2018 i guess when i started this particular page um it was boy Boivong. nice and then uh, um i quickly realized i'm not like a super mom blogger that Yes, you're is. not really a mommy blogger. No, I'm not. I'm a mom. I have two amazing little boys and a fur puppy too. So love my kids and love, love being a mom, but that's not like the basis of just, you know, my blog. So I quickly changed to Dara's world and um it was more from like honestly it was more of a business decision just because I am a more of like an entrepreneurial mindset. And so that is easier to pivot into a legit business brand versus like Daisy boy mom. And then that, that niches me to an audience, right? Cause then only Desis would get it. And I, I'm here for all the peoples.
0: Not yeah. Desis, and we appreciate Desi. that as someone who is not a mom. And as much as I appreciate all the mommy bloggers definitely doesn't resonate. And doesn't always i'm just like i'm not really like i you know there's a lot of accounts i follow just because like i'm kind of friends with them or like out of being supportive but there's not a lot of like yeah really into this like what you bought your kid at lunch today like, i don't For, i don't have kids and as much as i want to have them um in my head anyway i'm on this personal agenda to never be someone who is defined by the fact that they're a mom and i know for moms it's really hard to not be defined by that but i find that at least for you you found like a happy balance of like actually this is dara's page and like one of the things she does is she's a mom Um, in particular a boy mom tell us what it's like being a boy mom because it's very different than being a girl mom Um, we know how to we know how to be girls we don't we do boys. know how
1: to be girls. I think it was actually easy for me. I grew up with boys. So like my – obviously I have an older brother and majority of all my cousins that I grew up with are all boys. So I was pretty much a tomboy. As girly as I am, i pretty much a tomboy. So like football, cars, all of that, like it was just always my thing. So I think it was just natural um, – and i mean it's fun i mean i do get irritated with some of the like comments when i hear like you know when it comes to raising kids like just some of the gender biases that some parents will share as far as like oh but i have daughters so i have to worry about this and that um but i'm like i worry about the same things like you know i don't i don't want my boys to feel like they can't be emotional or you know, that they can't like the color pink or, you know, so, you know, some of those comments piss me off. I'm like, no, I worry about the same thing. I worry about the well-being of them, the protection and, you know, all the, all the things that, you know, moms worry for their daughters. Like, oh, I don't want them to be in the wrong hands with, you know, predators and this and that. I'm like, I worry about that with my boys too. It has nothing to do with being a boy or a girl, like just children, right? Yeah. Like, um, that that kind of irks me but um
0: do you feel like those biases are still like very prevalent as much as they were when we were younger because I work with kids and maybe it's just because that's how I am and the area I live in like the there's not a huge like discrepancy in the way we treat either it's just like you're all just kids and we're all just figuring this out
1: I mean, I feel like the older generation, like our parents and older, like, you'll probably still see some of that, which is fine. Like, they're not going to change, right? So it is what it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Um, As far as, like, our generation, you're a few years younger than me, but, like, you know, there there's, it's not as bad, but I do have um friends that sometimes will say things like that, and I'm like... I wouldn't treat my boys different because they're not girls. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's still a same worry, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so I, it's not as heavy as it is with the older generation interactions, but um, yeah, unfortunately it's still there. And I, I mean, I think half of that is cultural, right? Like they probably were grew up that way and maybe it hasn't cut away from them. And I might be, I, I don't know i guess i i'm biased because i am a boy mom and so i notice it more especially the comment boys will be boys i hate that It literally <laughs> irks me it makes me so mad because i'm raising good men and my husband's mm-hmm. a great example of that so i understand that <laughs> there are guys that will be boys will be boys and i can't you know fix that or apologize for that, but don't put all of them in that category, you know, like just like we say things like, you know, you know, just a uh, girl phrases that we shouldn't be saying. I mean, we should hold that to the same degree for those guy phrases, right? Like, how are we going to break that curse for the guys if we keep saying it? Right. So
0: for sure.
1: That
0: yeah. That's an interesting phrase. Cause it nowadays it holds so much weight and, mm. You know, in my world where I work with kids, I don't say boys will be boys, but sometimes I have to remind the parents I work with, I'm like, he's a boy in the sense that he likes cars and trucks and he might want to eat dirt sometimes and roll around and hit things for no reason and throw things like that rough on top. For me, it's more like the rough and tumble play and the like, just that that bigger physical personality that some of my boys that I work with struggle with in school because schools nowadays want all these kids to like sit quietly and follow directions and like I'm like he's a five-year-old boy he doesn't want to like sit there and like sing a song with you like some boys do and that's great and that's amazing but we're not gonna single this kid out and be like there's something wrong with him because he'd rather be rolling around on the floor I'm like let him roll around on the floor I'll give a shit like is he like who cares but like And you know, and this gets into a larger discussion about schools nowadays and their expectations of like four and five year olds, which, as a therapist, aggravate me to no end, and I will not go down that rabbit hole. We'll do a podcast for that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do a different podcast episode (laughs) about Disha's thoughts on children (laughs) in school. Um, but let's backtrack a little bit. Tell us about your relationship a little bit. Tell us how you met your husband. When you got married, when you chose to have kids, tell us the things. Tell us the things. Let's do it.
1: All right. So it is, uh, I guess I get hesitant. And the reason I say that, maybe I'll explain afterwards. So let's just get into it. All right. So I was at my job 24-ish, 3, 4, I don't know, or mid, early mid-20s, um, you know, just out of college working you know just trying to figure out being an adult and it was tough right just I hated my boss she was a dick and it was all things so I remember driving home and my mom calls and we all know this when they're just like are you in a good mood you just automatically know, you're not <laughs> gonna be like you're gonna put me in
0: a bad thing. mood now
1: I know not I, I like literally remember being on one thirtieth 30th and Aurora in Seattle, like at the traffic light with Albertsons on my left and my mom saying that and I'm like, mom, like, what do you got to say? Like, where are we going with this? a um, so long story short, she was just like, Oh, I called so-and-so and there's a single boy that they have their son and you should talk to him and blah, blah, blah. And I was just, like, listening and irritated. And at the same time, I was, like, you know, like, interested as well because, like, I was in Seattle, young, single, dating, going out. And only people I meet are douchebag boys that just, you know, want to, you know, be fuck boys. And I was like, that's not going to work for me. Um, so I was like, mm, okay. So I told my mom, I was like, sure, I'll talk to him. I was like, have him call me. And then she's like, "Oh, I gave him your and the mom gave me his email so just email him." So I was so irritated. I was like, I got
0: to make the first move. And also who emails? Like, what are we like going back in time? <laughs> that is an older generation thing cuz I still get that like people like our older family members would be like, "Oh, we're having a party. Do you have your email?" And I'm like, "I'm you know, I don't check that." Eventually, text me and be like, So, are you coming on Saturday? I'm like, What's well, on Saturday? And they'll be like, But I emailed you. And I'm like, I, I didn't look at it. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Like, <laughs> so, I emailed my, my
1: husband. I was like, Hey, sorry, this is a lame email. Like, literally, that's how it started off. And just went into <laughs> it. And. <laughs> And then, yeah, like, literally, that was the first line. And anyways, we emailed back and forth. And my husband's a great guy. Just, you know, simple guy, didn't really date much. He he, t- he describes himself like he was like the friend zone guy. Um, So oh. he just, like, was very, like just cool, calm, and collected, and I'm used to guys, like, throwing themselves at me, so I, like, could not figure out what was going on here, so I, like, literally remember talking to my brother, and I was, like, I don't think this guy is gonna work, like, he's just, like, slow rolling, like, I don't know, I, like, I have no clue, like, when I sent my pictures, (laughs) he doesn't write back, you're cute or anything, he writes back, oh, wow, you're tall, and I'm, like, oh, (laughs) okay, I'm tall. And I'm not that tall. I'm just 5'4". So I was just like, what? Like, okay. I don't think he's interested. So long story short, I stopped giving a fuck. I was like, I'm done. I'm bored. Um, And then when I stopped caring, he got extra aggressive. So then, obviously, that that ended up being a good thing. So we met in L.A., and uh, that was neutral because we didn't want to – I didn't want him to come to Seattle. I didn't want to go to Charlotte because then that's just too much – you know, pressure to like be in your, your area, right? We wanted a neutral place to explore and just meet. So it's like no one's territory. You can just, you know, just hang out, right? Like explore the area and like no pressure. So we met in LA and then um, it was awesome. We hung out and, um, and then super cheesy when we were leaving the airport. Oh, we were in LA and we went to Vegas too. And when we were leaving the airport, I'm like such a Bollywood girl. We're like walking away to our different term- terminals. And I turned around to look and I was like, let's see if he turns around. And then obviously he turned around and I was like, all right, maybe this will work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Your standard of deciding if it would work was a Bollywood moment. I love it.
1: <laughs> well, it was really the, the, the reason I knew he was going to work was one – he when he did end up complimenting me his compliment was you're beautiful which i thought was very sweet versus you're sexy you're hot da 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 i'm like okay you want to get into my pants get it so i thought that was sweet um and yeah like he's just a simple guy he like drove a Nissan Maxima and i was like word you're not like a rich rich snob you know douchey guy that's like here's all my daughters and all my fancy things because, like, <laughs> I, I – Not your vibe. That's just not me. Like, I like nice things, but it's not, like,
0: doesn't justify your worth to me, you know? Yes. There is also this cliche image of, like, the fuckboy brown guys who, like, yes. you drive a Beamer or a Mercedes. Yes. You, like, yes. dr- you shop at Express – you probably still wear your... What was that cologne that was really popular in high school? I, don't know. I forgot. Axe body spray. Oh, there it is. Yeah, you smell like have. Axe body spray. And um, there's a lot of hair gel happening.
1: Yes. And he was like the complete opposite super sweet gentleman. And I was just blown away just by that. Like just him being sweet, respectful. And it was it was just so adorable. And I just love that. Um, so, yeah. And then we just like we met uh, he was in charlotte and i was in seattle so we traveled back and forth so in person we like w- spent in person days were 79 days and then we like lived together after we got married but um long story short he came to Washington at one point to meet my family and him and my dad went for a drive or something. And I didn't know he asked my dad if he could marry me and then I met his parents and then he surprised and proposed to me in April. He coordinated with my brother and he came and asked me to get, you know, get married and the long story short, we got married in October and this October we're celebrating our 10 years. When? So the one time my mom
0: decides to set me up, I end up marrying the guy. So I guess. Ah, you know. cute. We don't get a lot of that on this show. No. <laughs> this and, isn't
1: the, well, space. the thing was like when the parents set us up uh, or like when my mom was just like, oh, you should talk to this guy. She w- she knew I was so irritated. She never once asked me about it afterwards. So when like five months later, I was like, oh, that guy I was talking to He's going to come visit. She was just like, oh, my goodness, let's go, you know. So um, I did appreciate my parents, like, not being, like, annoying about it. But it was more like, let us just, you know, let me just show you this guy.
0: So it worked <laughs> so out. So you said you guys moved in together. Did you move in together before you got married? No. That was one thing I promised my dad. So my dad okay.
1: like will not ask me a lot of things. Like I was I didn't grow up traditional in the sense that I had to go to college from home or any of that. Like I left. I left at 18, never came back. Um, so I was very lucky because even though I had a brother, I wasn't like treated different. So like some of the conversations that I had with my South Asian girlfriends, like I actually can't relate because I'm like eh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't grow up that way. Um, I was very lucky. My parents are mad chill. Um so That But but that was his only ask. He was just like, at one point, he was just like, just don't move in with the guy. Just keep that sacred. And, you know, when you get married, that should be when you live with the guy. And I was like, you know what? I can respect that. Like, in my whole life, you don't really ask for much when it comes to that. I'll give you that, Dad. So, yeah, we didn't live together until we got married. But, um had he not said that, would I have been open to it? Hell yeah, but yeah, I was going to give that to my dad. I appreciated him, like, you know, his, his two cents that he threw in. I was like, okay, I can listen.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that, that you had like really chill parents who weren't super pushy. And then, so when they did make requests, you were more willing to like acknowledge it and you didn't feel like you were being forced to do anything. Whereas I feel like you, you know, the girlfriends you had, or at least the people I know who had really conservative parents who were constantly forcing their own wants on their children, were more likely to end up with, you know, kids like me who just were like, you know, what I'm gonna do whatever I want. And because it like, nothing they asked of me was a request. Everything was this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to live your life. And so they end up having a kid who upends everything. Whereas when you have a relationship with your kids where you can like treat them as independent people who can make their own decisions and like not always have to do exactly what you want. And I guess be the quote unquote chill parent. Like yeah. you will now have a daughter who is at least willing to acknowledge your own wants and needs without feeling like you are forcing them to do something. Absolutely. And sometimes I think parents could learn from that, you know, maybe. Yeah, no,
1: I, I agree. I, Look, I, I wholeheartedly brag on that because my like especially when I hear like some of the horror stories that some of my friends have, I'm like, wow, like that's rough, you know, and it makes me feel extra grateful because I I grew up very lucky with my parents, like very chill. I didn't have to like hide how I dressed or like, you know, it was it was never that situation. Um And, you know, they they were always open. They always said, if you ever get into any trouble, like, call us, tell us, like, we'll fix it, you know, but like, don't hide and don't feel like you need to like, you know, get lost. So I always appreciated that. Um, So uh, yeah, very, very lucky. And and that that set me up as the parents I want to be, right? Like the same things that I teach my boys, like, you know, if they're up to something, granted, they're like five and four, so there's not much they're up to. But, um, you know, we have the same conversation, like, hey, if you ever mess up, like, tell us, you know, if you lied, tell us, like, you know, we'll we'll figure it out together and we'll explain the right and wrong.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And then the other end of the spectrum is my parents, and they ended <laughs> up with the girl who wouldn't entertain a single request ever made by them ever in their <laughs> lives. So... I'm just saying, I feel like parents could learn a little something instead of like acting like, because what I found growing up was my parents, like so many typical brown parents were always like, what will people say? Hence the name of this podcast, because I heard it so many times. They were so focused, like, this is not how Indian girls act. This is not what Indian parents do. This is how Indian families do things. But then when I would go out in the world- and not even go out in the world, like go to my cousin's houses and my aunts and uncles didn't treat their daughters. Cause I come from a family of like all women. I mean, literally there are so many girls in my family and they didn't treat their daughters like that. And when I would come home and say, actually, that's not how all Indian people are. It was not met with any sort of like acknowledgement. It was like, no, they're just lying to you. That's not how they treat their kids. And I'm like, actually, I've been there. And So there was always this, like, cognitive dissonance in my head of, like, not knowing what was correct in terms of being brown because I would meet Indian families and even some of my brown friends, like, who had very, like, chill parents and, like, didn't really care what they did as opposed to mine and constantly being told, like, that somehow it was still, like, I was still interpreting the situation incorrectly. and there is still a lot of like resentment there of even just like how to get dressed, like being told they could wear this and couldn't wear that. And then I would go to the party and all my cousins or all the Brown kids actually wore whatever the fuck they wanted and nobody cares. And I would be literally berated. And so it's at like, you know, hindsight 2020 you see skewed like our parents generation was in the way they interpret things. Cause to one extent, There are the families who chose, like, mine to be trapped by what other people will say. And then the other families who were, like, keeping up appearances where it's like, okay, we'll, like, pretend to be like this. But really at home, we're, you know, we treat our daughters this way. We let our kids do whatever they want. We don't have all these strict rules. But, like, we'll pretend like we do to make your parents and other more conservative families feel like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're all doing that. We're, We're all like that, too. You know? Yeah,
1: no, totally. And I mean, I think my parents still had that in their head, like what would people think and say, Um, but they were very open to, you know, getting away from that. And I think my brother and I were big, you know, advocates of like, who gives a fuck? Like, they're not paying our bills. Like, let's live our life our way. So it was, it was a lot of like them learning and listening to us and being open to that. Um, In some regards, obviously, they still got trapped into that, but. I would say across the board compared to most South Asian parents like that I knew um, mine were definitely the more like cooler ones that weren't like high strung and
0: caught up in that. So for sure it, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. But moving on, you do have two little boys and you share pretty publicly about your IVF journey so tell us like what led to that decision and a little bit of what that was like going through.
1: Yeah. So my older one is an IVF baby and my younger one is my less than 3% chance I would only have him through IVF. So that's not true. Um A lot of misconceptions with IVF, right? Like you're basically like a 100. That's why you do it. Not true. I was actually mid 20s when I went through it. Um, but long story short, this goes back to, and I I was talking about this in, I don't know, uh, one of the interviews that I did, but, um, I never knew, like, I didn't go to the sex education classes. I was like, you know, when they talk about the period and stuff. So like, I never actually went through all of that. So I didn't even understand the fundamentals of a female anatomy as far as like, here's a, you know, here's what happens when you have a period, ovulation cycle, 28 days, like, I didn't learn that until like, I was trying to get pregnant. Um, so long story short, I have PCOS, endometriosis. Again, I didn't understand the impacts of that. So far as I'm concerned, like, you know, I should be able to have a kid. But like, as you know, we started down that journey, nine months later, nothing was happening. And then we went to the OB and ran tests and, you know, anything and everything was wrong um, is when I learned that. And at first it was, it was a lot of just like a lot of information. Cause like I said, I wasn't educated in that area. So I didn't understand, you know, all the things (laughs) that sounds really horrible, but I, I laugh with my girlfriends now, not then. Um, but I was just like, dang, if my chances were to con- conceive were less than 3%, life would have been a little different back in college. But yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I do not know that. Um, just keeping it real. Um, but uh, no, I, like I said, endometriosis, PCOS, I had polyps in my uterus. I had hormonal imbalance. I had an acute shape uterus. I couldn't even like literally grow a baby in there like you name it it happened and it was a lot to digest a lot and it had a lot to do with that time and place in my life um and that's a whole another segment but um we went to a fertility doctor and they're like you know your chances of conceiving naturally are less than three percent so I was like let's do this my husband was like say what so you know we had to get to that understanding to do it because he was kind of like oh like we're gonna have to go down this route um but so i gave him a space i wanted it to be a mutual decision right because last thing i want is to have a child this way and then him have resentment because and that's that's not going to be good for any of us but um long story short we had Kean via IVF and obviously I wasn't taking any preventative measures because less than 3% chance that's not going to happen. And then before Kean turned one, I was pregnant again with Ashawn and ta-da! you better <laughs> believe after Ashawn, I got that ID, put it right away. I was like, yeah, we're not doing another oops like that. <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, one IVF and one, I guess naturally conceived, but it was something at during the time when I was going through it, which wasn't very long ago, but it seems like it. Um, I was very embarrassed and ashamed, so I didn't talk about it. And that is probably the beauty of the blog because I finally gained courage to put it out there because I was so alone when I went through it, and it sucked so bad um, so why not help? And since then I've literally helped like coach, like been like an IVF support coach for more than 10 successful IVF mamas. So that's from awesome. their start to, you know, them giving their babies, um, birth. So it's, it's, that's probably a good thing that social media led me to cause it was a dark time. It was a very dark time for me.
0: Yeah. And that is the beauty of social media, where when we open up about the things we went through on our own, that we become the people that suddenly you build this community around it. And because that is what happened with me when I went through everything with Michael. Like I was by myself. I had nobody to talk to. I had no, no Facebook groups, no friends who I like really could relate. Um and have also become kind of, I very much get referred to as, like, the older sister people wish they had. Like, you're the person, like, you know, which is cute. It's cute. Is cute. My, my DMs. My DMs are always a fun chat with some interesting people. um But for you, and IVF, what you said was, like, nobody really gave us the sex ed. And, you know, a little while ago, we did do a sex episode, but it wasn't so much sex ed as more just, like, the more general, like, sex, not, like, the going to the OBGYN sex. Um And for most of us, we didn't get any real, like, I mean, I remember the day I got my period was the most horrifying day of my life. I had no idea what was coming, no idea what to expect, like, full-blown panic mode. And, you know, my mom is, like, acting super excited because I was, like, 14 and she thought I was, like, broken, And
1: I was late too, I was like 13.
0: I I thank god honestly, thank god. Thank god. (laughs) It was I was like, I hate getting my period now. I mean, I if I could spare myself a few years, I was gonna take it. But you know, and then no one really explains the importance of like a regular psycho and all this stuff. And Lord knows your parents didn't take you to an OBGYN. They're like, No, you go there when you're pregnant. So, like, you as an adult am only just starting to like Get any real like education on like how babies are like really made, not just like oh, yeah. like you had sex. It's like no, yeah. no, no. There's like stuff to that. So much, yeah. And head. you know, no, I'm not trying to have a kid right now, but like as an adult, was told like no, you need to go to a gynecologist. And I'm like, why don't you just go there if you want a baby? And they're like, no, you have to go because you're a girl. And I was like, oh and then that whole like building myself up to that find having to find one like it- it's just been a whole freaking situation but yeah and then you don't know right all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like all right let's make a baby and you're like but it's not happening i thought this is how you make a baby and then all these yeah, things right. are wrong and you realize like we did a pcos episode and it was like one in five south asian women have PCOS and like we don't even really know like what it is or how to figure that out and hot mess expressy.
1: Yeah, no, I, I feel you on that. I mean, I had like really rough periods and when we went to go see my doctor, like my doctor was just like, oh, you know, let's get her on birth control and help her so she's not in so much pain and can regulate it. Uh, my mom was totally open to it. So, uh, like, she knew and I was on birth control, like, at like 15, 16. So, you know. That's
0: awesome. Because, again, then there's the brown parents who don't even want to hear the word because all they associate it with is like trying not to get pregnant instead of like, actually, it's medication. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <sighs> but here we are Mama in terms. <laughs> you are mom of two boys. They are four and five, which is, like, the most fun age. But, again, biased because that's the crowd I work with. Um, how has – what's that been like, being, like, becoming a parent, being a mom the last few years? How's that journey going?
1: Um, It's definitely, you know, one of the best things ever. It's probably the hardest thing but the most rewarding and it's so funny because I know it's still fucking cliche. Like before I became a parent, I heard that I would hear my mom say cheesy things. I'm like, y'all are just wild. Like, what is the big deal? You're like, you're like, I love my mom and like, you know, I all the feels, but like, you know, all the things you hear and you hear about parenting and motherhood and all of that, like prior to becoming a mom, like, you know, I thought it was cute, but I was just like, wow, this is like so Bollywood cheesy, like goodness gracious. But I'm not going to lie. Like the minute, like I heard Kean be born and cry, like literally my world changed. Like I like melted in puddles and I was like, <laughs> whoa, how do I love this little kid? Like, way more than my life. Like, it was an incredible feeling. Uh, My mom came from Seattle to um, Dallas at the time when I had Kian and stayed with us for six weeks. And like, I had like a whole newfound respect for my mom. Like, obviously, I was already proud and grateful to have an awesome mom. But like, to become a mom, it puts like put like what it is to be a mom in perspective that was probably I probably cried more that goodbye than I did when I got married and left like I was like just heartbroken I was like oh shit and also mom whatever I did as a teenager like my bad (laughs) Like (laughs) but um no it's it's literally the most incredible journey ever and you know like I said I don't want motherhood to define who i am as an individual which is very big focus on my like blog like i don't want people to come to my page because i'm a mom i want them to come to my page because of me and the various roles of my life not just the focal point of motherhood um and and i say that more so because like in my definition who you are is the basis of all the various roles you will serve in your life. Um, So that was key important thing to me. But as far as like being a mom, like that's literally like I will drop anything and anyone for my kids. Like that is like so true. Like the whole mama bear concept, like that is like legit. Like I can keep my cool and patience for a lot of bullshit, but like, The minute it, like, comes remotely to my kids, all gloves are off. Like, I will, like, go ham. Like, you don't mess with my kids in any regards. Like, I go from the sweetest to, like, nope. But um, (laughs) it is – it's an emotional thing. Like, I'm pretty tough. But when it comes to my kids, I can, like, puddle up really quick. Like, Kean's birthday is in, like, literally 10 days. In 10 days – and the anxiety is high like I love birthdays but like my kids birthdays are like very hard for me to digest I get like so choked up I'm like oh man they're getting bigger um but it's literally like the best thing and I think becoming a mom puts for me put a lot of things in perspective of what is important and why we do what we do um you know, and even especially things around the world that you see, right? Like, I'm not gonna lie, it's probably one of the, like, very guilty, very, one of the persons that probably didn't pay attention to all the world happenings, because, you know, I like, it didn't directly impact me, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, now, knowing that I like, gave birth to two children that are living in this world and even though it may not directly impact them just like mere thought that it could one day makes me pay attention to every fucking detail out there and I want to know about it and I want to do what I can to protect not just my kids but all the children so it it's just like a different thing that takes over um but my proudest role ever I will say is
0: to be a mama that's sweet, yeah, mom being a mom is one of those things that as a woman like one day like might be maybe not, right nowadays we've got a lot more other roles we can fill and take up sure. our Absolutely. time with, but even then, I think there is something to be said about being a mom because right now there is this. I think it's slowly changing, but this image of like being a woman and having it all. And it's like, actually, like as I get older and I was always that kid, it's like, we're going to have it all. We're going to do like the badass things with like the business and the career. And then we're going to be like cool mom and like the whole thing. And the older I get, the more and more people I know who have kids and that are also bad bitches in their own right. But at the end of the day, they have all said what you said. At the end of the day, it will always be about being a mom. They're like, I will drop anything and anyone for my kids. And that includes even their babies they birthed beforehand, whether that's their business or their brand or their career. They're Mm -hmm. like, you have kids and none of it matters. And I even caught myself saying that, like, you know, been married a few years. We've definitely talked about one day having kids and the conversation of like raising them. And I was the first one to be like, listen, if we have kids and because I work with them and part of my brain is I specialize in pediatrics, me not hanging out with my kids and giving them the best childhood would be like us taking our car to a mechanic while your dad owns an auto body shop. Like, this is what I do. This is my bread and butter as kids. And I work with them because I love hanging out with them. And they're not even mine, okay? I like hanging out with them and they're not even mine. And I'm still so, like, protective of the kids I work with. And I'm still very, like, seeing the world we live in. And sometimes that ends up coming into my sessions and just being like, no, we don't. like you. This is our, like, little happy place here. And, you know, I said I was like, honestly, like, if we had kids, like, I would want at least the first few years when they're still kind of babies and toddlers and like, they also just knowing how fundamental those years are. I'm like, I don't give a shit about my career. I already don't give a shit about my career, honey. Like, come on, you're the one with like, you know, actual career aspirations. Like for me, my job is like, it makes me money. And sometimes it's fun. Like, That's the extent of my ambition on that front. And I know a lot of girls are like, you know, being the feminist in me want to cringe, but I'm like, priorities already in my head. I'm like, yeah, my job's okay. But like, have you met kids? And again, I get not everyone relates, but I can understand that feeling of like, they are everything and everything else comes secondary. And when you have your own, I'm sure that significantly drastically switches over and becomes even more like the thing you almost live for. Which, Literally. Um, Literally. And I've even heard that from like older women, like my mother-in-law who like, she had her own business. Like she had a building full of employees. Like woman was CEO for 40 something years. And she said, she was like, If my business wasn't as established as it was when I had kids, I might have given up on it when I had them. And she's like, looking back, it's weird to say that. But she's like, they, I worked so, like, for her, she also went through, like, a whole journey to have kids. And, like, as I get older, I feel like I can, I can understand it more. For sure. But moving on because we did bring up a little bit about with you and IVF and social media and as that becomes more and more of a role in our lives and the community you've built online what kind of role does social media now play in your life as an adult so I guess like we've all kind of been adults through the social media fra- phase Um, you know
1: when I started I so I don't know. You, you probably remember. Do you remember like Tumblr blogs back in the day? Yep. I had like four of them. Yeah. So like that's the blogging era that I'm from and that I had. It was, you know, anonymous and I like shared, you know, like I like to write. I'm not a great writer, but I like to write. Um, and so that's, that's the time that I, I blogged. And then, um, obviously it turned into Instagram life and I, you know, during Kian, so I have like a personal page as well, uh, but, um, uh, during Kian, obviously as you're scrolling when the baby's awake and not sleeping, you, you scroll, you know, um, I was like, interesting. I was like, this would be fun to do, but I, I didn't do it then. And then after I had Aishan, um, I decided to, cause we, you know, moved to Houston, didn't know anyone really, um, And honestly, I did it as a way of like, making friends. Honestly, that's really why I wanted to do it. Because like, I like, like I said, like, I feel like being a person, like an adult and then trying to make friends when you move and stuff like that shit is hard. And then when you're trying to like make friends as adults with a spouse and kids and all the things like that shit is hard. So, um, I did it as a creative outlet in those regards. And when I started again, I had no clue what I was doing, what it was going to be about. And, you know, three years ago, it was very fashion based because everybody just posted, you know, static posts of their outfits and witty captions. So I started off with the same, and it was awesome. I got to learn the art of social media and, you know, what it is now, you know, so, um, it was great learning. I got to network, work with brands and like all of this stuff. Again, I had no effing clue what I was doing. I was just, it was a good time pass, you know, between like, you know, at the time, the job that I hated and, you know, it was that piece that I didn't hate that was not connected to motherhood, you know, cause like I said, for me, it was very important to have something of my own because I didn't want to lose me in the process of fully becoming, you know, confident and in, in control of my new evolved self. Right. Um, Cause there's, there's that evolutionary period when you're a new mom that we all go through where we're just like so confused and lost. So we're loving the journey, but we don't know what's going on. And it's just, you know, a lot of things like I said, for me, it was very important to not lose who I was. And so I focused on the blog and it was cute outfit pics and makeup tutorials and all the things. And But my captions were always deep and because I always wanted to share a message. So that's, you know, the basis of what it was when it was Desi Boy Mom. And it was during that um, username that I first opened up about IVF. And from there, just a lot of a lot of topics. And honestly, it was very therapeutic because I think there was a lot of things that I needed to express and get out. And it was a great way to do it. It was like a virtual diary that if you followed me, you got to know and learn about my life, right? Because I talked about IVF. I talked about, you know, my, my skin. I have had really bad severe acne. So just a lot of body image things and all the good stuff. Um, So it just kind of evolved. And I think now I really like to talk about mindset and blocking out the noise and just doing the damn thing and living your life. And that looks and feels different. So that's the main message at this point that I like to share. Be authentically you.
0: And you do share a lot of your life on social media And obviously, it's not all of it, right? It's just a picture and a caption and whatever few minutes of stories we get. Um, But to to an extent, it is a lot more than most people who don't consider themselves like quote unquote bloggers would share. How do you block out all the noise? There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise. I actually feel like
1: since I came back in January, I don't share much more. So I find that interesting that you said that. I think prior because I took a break. I don't know if you remember. Yes, I I I did. I noticed completely off the grid. Like I deleted the app. Well, I didn't delete the app. I got a new phone and I don't know my password, so everything was deleted. And I just did it. Turn it on, and I was, and I, and it was the same time where I started my new job, and like I was just so busy loving it and like my son started kindergarten that I was literally so preoccupied with work and just in, enjoying the normalcy of you know coming close to an endemic life that I didn't notice and the only time that I noticed that I wasn't on it was when people are like are you okay and it was an Instagram friend and I'm like oh my god what happened Like <laughs> that was me I was like I are you
0: okay,
1: okay? <laughs> I literally texted you I was like um so yeah it's, yeah right yeah, there." I- I- that was the only time when I was just like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Um, and I and so I was off completely, like completely, because some people are like, oh, I'm off. But then they still consume. Like, no, I was like legit off. Like, I had no clue what was going on. Um, and for six months. And I came back only because like my husband, like, you know, I'm a director of human resources for a startup tech company. So obviously, I do a lot of people coaching and all of that at work as well. He'll hear me on my calls. And he's just like, I could listen to you all day. He's just like, the way you get people inspired and hyped. He's just like, that was that was the point of your page. He's like, don't you think your people deserve to have that back? And I was like,
0: Damn, why do you get it? The people need you, Thara. I was like,
1: ah. So I was like, true. Um and I mean it is fun. And that that's the part of it that I like. So I came back and to answer your question. I definitely toned it back more. So besides like quotes and if I feel like sharing or talking, I talk otherwise. I don't know if you notice, I usually fall off once I get to work, and then you won't see anything on Mm -hmm. my stories until the next day. And so to answer your question, how do you block out the noise? I don't feel obligated to share anymore. I do do a lot of fun things. But for me, it's not doing it to get clout by showing other people that I live a fab life like that. Like, I live my life for me, not because I want people to think I'm, like, so cool and, like, doing all the things. Like, that doesn't – that's not me. And I'm not saying it's bad if you do that. It's just not my thing. And, you know, when I talk to other moms that are on socials, you know, one of the things we all talk about that we all struggle with is the balancing being a creator and being present with our children. So, like, for me, it was a very conscious thing that if I'm – Sharing, then it can't be impacting my mothering, right? Like, I want to be able to make sure I'm there and focus and enjoying my, my children and my family. Um, so I don't know. I, I took the pressure off. Like, before I felt very obligated to share every day, to, to talk about things, to, to post a million times on stories and this and that. Like, I really, felt that burden that I needed to, to make it or be something. And then I just stopped giving a fuck. And now I post when I want to, if I want to. Um, I know reels are a thing. And I'm just a classic IG girl. I still love my static posts. So I still do them. Does it get traction? No. I Like I said, it has become such a therapeutic space because like I get to express and you know like just dump my thoughts and words and if it can help someone which every time i get a dm saying that i needed this then i ate it and that's how i that's how i feel rewarded that somebody can feel something from it but as far as like the noise you gotta block mute delete bullshit accounts that don't like that don't like bring value to your life and it's natural. We're all going to have those accounts, right? Like, not, I, there, I can't imagine one person saying, no, oh, I like all of them. No, that's a lie. You, there's some accounts that are cute. We all have them. Um, Indeed. So don't follow them. Um, and if you, for whatever reason, need to, then mute them or block them. Like, it's not that serious.
0: So. Yeah. And, you know, to some extent, keeping in mind neither of us is trying to be an influencer. So there is no. the complete that, you know, you, cause you know who those people are, right? You know who they are cause they are doing all the things, right? They are constantly sharing their two cents that nobody asked for. That, I do that sometimes too. I know um, they're constantly posting. They're constantly doing what everyone else is doing to get clout. They're doing whatever they have to do to get as many likes and follows and the whole thing. And, those are the people I personally find difficult to follow, because, as we've you know very consciously figured out that like everything on social media is fake, and if you and not saying all influencers are fake, but it definitely comes across it's hard not to when you put out this much content um and to an extent why I still kind of call you an influencer, not in that sense. Even myself, I don't consider myself one is that we both, I think, share that sentiment of I just share who I am and I share when I want to share and I share what I want to share, but there's no obligation. There's no, I owe someone a response to a DM. There's no, I have this many posts or make this many stories or none of that. And so it almost makes us our own brand of influencer in that we have a kind of audience that is growing significantly, I would say of people looking for the kind of accounts that aren't pretending to be something that is unachievable. Yeah, if that makes it, sense.
1: No, that that's 1000% true. And, and it's funny. Cause like when I have my moments of frustration, when it comes to it, which is very minimal, um, over the year it's that's exactly the point I'm like why can't we normalize normal lives like why are we giving praise and attention to unrealistic one percent lifestyles like we're those are cool don't get me wrong even I get intrigued and I'm just like ooh, you're on a jet Ooh, you're doing all the things mm-hmm. you know But And and totally attainable by no means. I'm not saying, you know, you you can't get there. But, like, let's normalize, like, normal lives. Like, the normal person doing the normal hustle and sharing normal, um, you know, situations and stuff like that. Like, why are we aspiring to showcase this flawless life that is very rarely lived by the majority, you know, and that's what impacts. And that, those are the things that people are like, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough because, you know, my lunchbox didn't look like that, you know. Like
0: a bento and, box yeah, with my, shape, like heart-shaped sandwiches. Mine, girl, mine will
1: never look like that. And even if I tried, but my son is very basic. We, we pack the same three sandwiches every day, it's, you know, but – Um, Again, no shame. But when I when I hear people saying, oh, my God, sometimes I just hate it because X, Y and Z in my head, I'm like, why are you following them? Mm -hmm. then follow me because I'm a normal person and you better believe my fruit is not looking like a star. It is just the fruit in that lunchbox,
0: (laughs) you know, (laughs) like (laughs) that I may or may not have peeled. Like, yeah, exactly.
1: So it's, you know, sometimes it, it blows my mind because when I, when I hear the consumers critique and feel bad and like all of that, I'm like one, it's your choice to follow who you follow. No one went and pressed all the blue icons on your phone. Two, if it gets to you that much, why are you even on the app? Because if you're like... Because we're big, addicted. Like, you know, it's funny because me and my sister-in-law like, <laughs> constantly talk about how we're just like going to disappear off of it. Because like sometimes I'm just like, why? Why am I even on here? But then it's like moments like this, right? Where like you actually make genuine connections and you're like, this is why I come back. But... um can we just normalize accounts that are doing normal things that are more relatable? You know, I like to share relatable content because I don't know. I don't, I don't see a lot of me accounts, you know, like I, I wish I had more working mom, badass. let's go crush the world and spread kindness accounts. You know, like I, like I don't see a lot of those. So when I do find them, I get really excited, but like, to glamorize things that are probably not naturally attainable for the majority and then making them feel bad, like I feel like is, is rough. But as a consumer, it's also your choice. So like be mindful.
0: Yeah, being a conscious consumer of content has always been a big push for me. And that's You know, it's the connections with people like you that keep me on these platforms. But like you, every other day, I'm like, I'm just going to stop one day. One day, it's just not going to be there. It Um, it really
1: is. I really feel like one day I'm just going to fall off. And this time, it won't be like, you know, I'm going to just deactivate, like, like literally just delete.
0: I don't know about you, but I feel like I find myself consuming more long-form content. Than the short like Instagram feed, TikTok vibe.
1: Yeah, I I think it's changed in the three years that I've been on, you know, been a creator. I feel like it has changed. And I think the reason for me now, you know, always contemplating, should I stay, should I not stay is because of the value add, you know, like I like to consume things that inspire me, motivate me, something that I can learn from you know? Um, so I like at the end of the day for me, I have a lot of things that I want to do in my life. Um, and I think when I get super busy and caught up in it
0: is probably when I'll fall off again. And I have like a very big itch to fall off recently. Um, For sure. Yeah. There's a, occasionally it starts to feel like an obligation. And like you said, I think we talked about this when You were on for the 100th episode that like you have to define like what purpose social media is serving for you. Are you trying to be the influencer? Are you doing it for your business? Are you doing it for your podcast? Are you just doing it for fun? All of that really impacts the way the role that it plays in your life because you forget like you said like creating content takes time. And if you're running late to get out the door, like to pause and like take the pic and find the filter and get the caption, like that takes time. And yes. like you, I very much back post. I rarely post immediately or while I'm doing things. Yes. It's a lot of like, I personally really enjoy taking pictures. I love like yes. getting a good angle and finding good lighting and like trying and to get a more unique shot. I love doing that stuff and I love the very fun filters Instagram has where it can add things like frames and, you know, lighting, whatever. So I love, I love doing all of that, but it very much is like when I'm sitting around not doing anything,
1: exactly. not
0: when I'm like actually out with my friends and I've actually made a pretty good point of like, I don't share too much of like when I'm with people or when I'm with my husband or doing life, I'm not on social. I very frequently will leave my phone at home. And because I'm like, if you need to find me and you're important enough in my life, you'll find a way to find me. You know, you have my husband's number. You probably have my friend's numbers. Like, if you need me, you'll find me. And everybody else is probably just not that important that you were going to miss me for a couple hours if I wasn't, didn't have my phone. Those moments of pause in our lives that we have started to fill with scrolling, lately, I've been trying a lot harder to bring back because I feel like that's where my ideas come from. If that makes sense.
1: No, I think that's absolutely. And I feel like that will also help with your productivity, right? Because, you know, a lot of people are like, I have a laundry list of X, Y, and Z. And in my head, I'm like, okay, well, then don't scroll. Don't scroll. Yeah, just don't, do it. Don't, do the things. Go do your list, right? And and I'm guilty of it. I'm so guilty of it. Like yesterday, I got home and it was, it was a long day at work. And I had a few things that I needed to finish gardening. And I sat down and out my window, I can see the plants that I needed to garden. And I was about to grab my phone and I didn't. And I was just like... You are about to sit and scroll, and you've been bitching about you need to go plant those things, go plant them. And so that's what I did. And then, next thing you know, you know, me and my kids are just outside hanging out, and like I ding it to my phone all day, and that was fine. And it was the best evening. So, you know, it it helps you get things done and just enjoy and feel all the feels. I feel like sometimes we're suppressing our thoughts and emotions because we're just like, doing the thing and then scrolling, and then we don't even know what, you know, we're not digesting all the happenings of our lives. And then that that can also impact your scroll, right? Because you could have been in a bad mood because of something else, gone on social, started scrolling, get triggered. And then next, the next thing you know, you're like, fuck social media, fuck that. I can't yeah. no, no, no. When it When it may not even be connected, maybe you need to disconnect to connect all your dots and then go back to it, right? Um yeah. so it's you know just like i said it i do feel social media is a really beautiful thing i honestly truly with my whole gut i do believe that it is you know just being a businesswoman it is the next wave of marketing it's how you get out there how you do the thing and sell your business product brand personal brand whatever it is it is definitely the way but you have to know your why set the boundaries and operate accordingly. If you're just obsessively doing it out of willy nilliness, that's when I feel like toxic behavior and impact can happen. But if you are on it, because you hope to serve some serve some kind of purpose, and you know, it doesn't have to always be a strategic purpose. Like, some people, you know, like I think there are great, you know, influencer quote unquote. You can't see my air quotes so because this is a podcast, but like, you know, there are some influencer, you know, people that just do the damn thing, and they they are quite inspiring and worthy of watching and stuff. So I think you just you got to know your why, and operate accordingly, and I think that's that's like the best way to stay on it and. and enjoy it. And I, I tell anyone this and everyone this, and I apply this to myself. And I tell my husband this when I started three years ago, I said, at any point, if this is taking over my soul, I give you permission to just go on there and delete it. You know, like it is not worth it at the end of the day is just an app. Right. And I
0: think that just an app,
1: like, don't make it your focal point to lose yourself.
0: Yeah. And I think that just points out to the broader idea that like, I feel like I know it comes up a lot on the show of like people not being active participants in their own lives. Like there's so many people just going through the motions. And then one day you're 40 with three kids and you don't know how you got there. And I think social media is adding to that like almost unconscious living of just like, we're scrolling, we're working, we're Netflixing, we're eating, we're sleeping, we're scrolling, like you just do it and you do it. And like, there's so few people I know that are actively being participants in their own lives and making the decisions okay. to create the life that they want, that are actively conscious of why they do, like you said, knowing your why, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Why are you scrolling? Why are you following this account? Why are you at this job? All of that. Most people don't even have answers for it. They're just like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. It's like, why but do you it- have kids? And like, they don't know. They, they, they don't know. And like, I feel that
1: people are afraid to make their platform their own. Like their, their definition is, oh, but if you don't have 10 K and if you don't have a verified or a brand deal, then, then you are not successful. I think how people are defining what success is on socials is also psyching them out. Like, mm-hmm. shit, I've been doing it for three years. Your girl hasn't made 10K, but I'm still thriving. Like, I do what I do, got to do. Like, yeah. you know, it's like you you got to get what you want out of it, right? Like, I mean, for me, I stick around. I don't know if I will. But it, <laughs> when I'm on it, I'm sticking around. It's, you know, like I said, I love to help people, you know, challenge themselves to do the thing that they feel like they can't do. Because there is truly nothing we can't do, right? It's all in our head. And I exactly. really feel that we are the only peoples holding ourselves back. So I like to share that. That is that's like my main thing is mindset tips. Like I love telling people, get out of your own head and go do the damn thing, wear yeah. the damn shirt, go apply for that job, go fucking create your goddamn account, go do the damn thing like that. That is that is my aspiration. And that is what I hope people get from my page is to quit hiding who they want to be and just be you, you know, and like, don't be afraid to be that person. You know, I, I hope to fill out stadiums one day and give you know motivational speeches and I hope to do a TED talk one day and write a book and all the things so I use this as like a platform to practice and pivot and perfect my skills and you know establish my name and brand and, and that's why I do it you know and that that has become more of my focal point which is why I have evolved and felt more of my own in it and can separate the noise whereas before I thought I had to be a fashion blogger and talk about my kids and my bento boxes and, you know, all, all the things that, that that didn't make sense for me. I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense. It did not make sense for me. But when I didn't feel joy in being on the platform, it's because I was trying to be someone that I wasn't. But the way that it was portrayed, I felt like I had to. And then when it clicked one day that, no do what you got to do. And when I started doing it my way, it became a lot more fun and it became more manageable and uh, your screen time goes down tremendously because you don't feel an addiction to be on it and like, you know, do all the things, you know? So, and does that resonate with everyone? Probably not. I think since I became more comfortable in what I want to share, my engagement has dropped a million folds. (laughs) But it it's fine because I hope to attract the people that it resonates with, which means that whoever followed me originally liked the, the stuff that I was sharing, but it didn't make sense. Um, but I was figuring it out. So I give myself permission to just let it be. And hopefully who resonates with my message will find me. And that's, that's what you do. I don't
0: know. Yeah. And... Like you said, if you're actually taking the steps to create the life that you want, then you're spending less time on social anyway because you're not trying to escape your own life. Exactly,
1: and that is definitely what I was doing when I was so obsessed with it. I hated
0: yeah. my job. I think a like, lot of people are filling we're a all void. Doing that. Yeah, we yeah, we're
1: all doing it, right? Between like, for me, it was like I hated the job that I had, and then tied with. The pandemic, it w- it became hyper sensitive to just be on it even more. And to mm-hmm. your point, where you said, you know, are you going to be, are you going to wake up one day and be like, shit, I didn't live my life, I was just on socials? Like, that was a rude awakening I did have at one point during the pandemic when I became such a creator mindset that I remember waking up in the middle of the night crying and telling my husband, and I think it was again before Kian's birthday, where I was like, I don't want to be that mom. That wakes yeah. up and is just like, fuck, like, did I just spend all that time creating content and not being present with my kids? Even though I never create content when they're around, but the mental space that yeah. was being occupied is still lack of being present. So I could mm-hmm. physically be there with my children, but if I'm not absorbing the moment, then I'm not
0: present. doesn't matter if my physical body is there. I'm not present, Exactly. Right?
1: So that shift happened, and it's been great.
0: Yeah, I think that's also where my step back from social has been a lot easier, and I see myself spending less and less time on it. Is I recently was like, I'm so happy with my life right now, and there was a time where I was spending so much time creating content because I hated my job and I was just yep. not in a great place. And yep. now I'm like, dude, my I mean, life that's is
1: when great. more too, because we were both just like, <laughs> fuck this shit. Yeah,
0: and you know, I recently I was like I'm so good right now like I actually I haven't changed jobs but I got a new job that I really really love but also my old job like we've made some changes that has made it so much more positive I'm cruising along with my podcast and I've changed some things about that like there's so many things that right now in my life I'm like I live close to all my friends. Like people don't believe me. I see my friends four or five times a week. You know why? Because they're like my family and they we all live in the same area. Like we're all like five or 10 minutes from each other. We're constantly spending time with the people we love, our family, our friends, the cousins. And I'm like, I spend less and less time on social. And I'm like, yeah, because I consciously made an effort to change my life from what it was. Yes. yes. But this seems like a good point to wrap all of this up. We've talked about lots of good and exciting and fun things. And I think lots of people will appreciate listening to it. If people wanted to find you online, where could they find you?
1: They can find me on Instagram at Dara's World. Um, I would strongly recommend actually following me on LinkedIn because I will never delete my LinkedIn. Um, (laughs) You're the only
0: person I know who uses that.
1: I, well, I'm just saying because I'm not going to be off. Well, but I, it goes with my work, girlfriend. I, I am <laughs> a corporate. I'm a corporate girl. So I put last uh yes, you little health girl. We're we're different vibes. It's funny because we could totally do a se- uh, session on that. Well, I have obviously lots of cousins in the medical field, and I'll always like <laughs> I was talking to one of my cousins off topic before I wrap up. And I was like, y- what do I say? Like, I-,
0: I don't say, how was your day at the office? I was like, what do I- how do I ask you how your How day did shit on? hit the fan today? <laughs> how many times did shit hit the fan? Did you get to pee today? Did you make it to the bathroom? Did they book uh, a meeting in your lunch? Or did you have to see a patient instead so you ate a granola bar? That's what you can well, ask them. That, well,
1: noted. Noted. <laughs> um,
0: Yes, I will never delete my LinkedIn because
1: corporate life is my jam. Um, so I'm on Dara's world until I decided decided to take a break or delete it. So if not, you can ask Disha where I'm at. Yeah, you but, can text um, me,
0: message me, I'll tell you.
1: Yeah, you could t- You could find out from her if I'm alive or not. But um, yeah, on socials, here it is. Spread love and kindness and relatable
0: stuff. awesome sauce
1: beautiful my
0: friend no problem thanks so much for coming on all the info you need for dara will be in the show notes and i'll see you guys next time bye bye Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Make sure if you enjoyed this episode, you leave us a review on iTunes. You can find the show on all major streaming platforms. You can find me on Instagram at disha.mazeppa. You can shop my Etsy shop, DishaMazeppa Designs. Find out everything you want to know about this show at dishamazeppa.com. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest, you can email BWWPSpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye. This podcast is hosted and produced by Disha Mystery Mazepa. Music for the show was created by Crackswell.